everybody, and welcome again to Insight here um, with Billy Wayne. I'm so glad that you are here and uh, decided to join us here today. Um, we are going to be talking, I've been doing a little this series, I guess, about the cross. And so today we're going to look up um, and look at a passage of scripture and it's just take up the cross. And I want to challenge you today to take up your cross and follow Jesus. And that's what this is really about. And I'll just say this, it's never easy to take up the cross. Let's just say that at the beginning. It's not going to be easy for anybody. It wasn't easy for Jesus when he had to take and bear our cross. And so he knew it wouldn't be easy, but he set that example that we could follow. I want to read, um, I'm going to start, this is um, going to come from Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. He says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his fathers, and the holy angels. But I tell you the truth, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. That's a great passage of Scripture. To take up the cross, and what's he saying here? We look at this passage of Scripture. And, of course, we have to look at it. Um, the cross, of course, you probably heard, if you haven't. It was the most brutal means of corporal punishment. Um, it was the death penalty. And it would almost be like saying, as somebody I, I read on uh, it was a commentary, I'm not sure, and somebody said it would be like when Jesus says, hey, take up your cross and follow me. He's like, if he got this death sentence, in some states it was, if it was the electric chair, it's almost like saying to me, hey, climb up here in the chair with me, and we're going to take this, you're going to take this with me. And that's what he's saying here. And, and it was the most brutal. And really, if you think about the electric chair, if you think about lethal injection, those things, when people talk about corporal punishment, you know, we know that that's reserved for the, most, the people with the most heinous crimes in the world. And that's what the cross was like. And it's identified as that. And I want to say this too. And I talk, think about the cross. When I was growing up, I grew up in a church. Um, and I remember um, that the church that I went to is always about the empty cross, you know, don't, you know, Jesus, they'd see these crucifixed, uh, crucifixion, uh, crucifixes rather. And my church would say, Jesus is not on the cross, bless God. He's, and it's true. I get all that. And I understand we serve a resurrected savior, but it wasn't until I got older and went on way to college and we had, uh, you know, there's some cathedrals that I got to go into and speak at and share, and they would always have a crucifix. And I remember walking to, seeing my first crucifix really up close. And I'm not talking about the ones that hang around your neck, but when we walk into the presence of, of one and it's hanging maybe in a Catholic church or whatever. And at first, it's kind of an eerie, weird feeling. But all of a sudden, you look at it and you see, you, you're just amazed at like the detail of the face and the suffering that Christ made. And it make, it grieves you. And I think we, sometimes as Protestants, we need to believe and start opening our eyes and realizing, you know, um, it's easy, again, not to look up on the cross. But we sometimes need to find ourselves and look in the face of Jesus. There's a little Baptist church went out the country, I'll never forget. They called us when we first opened our theater and said, we have a, a crucifix. Now, what did a little Baptist church do with this? 
life-size crucifix. I have no idea what they were doing with it, possessed with it to begin with. But they called me and said, we want to give it to you. Well, I was expecting, I don't know, some avant-garde piece of art or something. And they came up, and I remember it was the bed of the truck, and they had wrapped it beautifully, and it opened it up. And, I, and, and, and it was a life-size body of Christ hanging on the cross. And all I could do was just stand there in amazement. I don't think I'd ever been that close. And it was we had to lift that out there, and it was like carrying a, a, a dead body and looking at that. And I, had, I was con- honestly taken aback and was humbled by that. Because honestly, it was, you know, the, the knees were skint. Um, there was tears, how it was painted. Uh, and they'd used like clear, I don't know, paint, I guess, and on his face where tears were. So they looked wet. The blood was uh, uh, pouring from his brow. had a crown of thorns, the nail prints in his hand. And I, I just did, it was, it was, I guess, just very eerie in some aspects. But at the same time, it was beautiful um, because I was a, taken aback of what Jesus had done for me. And so I actually ended up using it for a few retreats and stuff and kind of unveiled it and had the students walk up and and kind of look at the at what Christ had done for them. And sometimes we don't want to look at that cross, but it it's the beauty of the cross. It's the beauty of the cross at the suffering that Christ did for my sin and for your sin. And we need to be challenged by that. Keep the cross before us. But it was a brutal means of corporal punishment, the death penalty, like Jesus saying, again, if you would follow me all the way to the electric chair or to the Green Mile, if you've ever seen that, a movie, you know, wow, that's amazing. It puts a lot of things in perspective for us, doesn't it? Take up your cross. He says, and the first part of this, we're going to look at, we're going to break this down. And and it's very simple. Three things I want to share today. Number one, he says this, and we look at it, and we see verse 23. Uh, if anyone desires to come after me, let him, what? Number one, deny himself. Now, that's the thing. Now, I will say this. To become a believer, it, beforehand, I think before I was a Christian, uh, we think we can get right with God by denying certain things in our life. Okay, I'm not going to give in to this sin. I'm going to be better with this. I'm going to give this up for Lent. Some of you have done that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to cuss anymore. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to have sex anymore. I'm not going to, whatever it happened to be. We try to start doing these things to deny ourselves that would make us right before God. And and we think that's going to make us right. No, let me, let me explain something. You can deny all that mess in your life, and it's still not going to make you right with Jesus. The cross is what makes us right with Jesus. And so when Christ went to the cross, he paid that penalty but I will say this, I say it costs absolute nothing to become a Christian. And what I mean by that, salvation is absolute free gift of God, lest any man should boast. It comes straight from Jesus. When he hung on the cross, he extended his free gift of grace to us. We receive that gift of grace. We believe that Christ died on the cross for our sins. We become believers. It's an amazing thing. However, to walk with Jesus daily in our walk, once we become a believer, there are certain things in our life that God expects out of us. Now, not before the cross, not before we've invited Christ in our life. It's not going to do any good. But once we receive him Christ as Lord and Savior and he dwells in us, he begins to convict us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things he says here is we got to deny ourselves. You know, put to death the things. What are the, some things that we need to put to death? I'll tell you right straight up front. It's, it's our mind and our thoughts. We need to put those things to death. There's things in our lives that we, we uh, give, that we know that we're doing that we need to get that we give into that we need to to deny and stop we know when we're thinking wrong thoughts or doing the wrong thing i want to read this from second corinthians chapter 10 all right and i'm going to read verses three through five for though we walk in the flesh we do not war 
according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You know what puts to death the disobedience is just simply being obedient to God. And so I know that when I wake up every day and when I ask Christ in my life, it's still a dying to myself every day, a dying of my thought lives, the thing, the things that I go through mind. Um, to, and it says to demolish, to take captive every thought and make it obedient to God. Now, we can't help when, you know, we're all tempted. Um, temptation, by the way, is not a sin. Let me clarify that. Giving in to temptation is the sin. But temptation is going to come to everybody. Christ knew no sin, and he was perfect, and he was tempted of the enemy. The temptation of Christ in the desert, and it tempted him of, of God's supply and also uh, his power. And, you know, if you, you, know, you could take on the authority of the angels having to come and rescue you. Look at this. I'll give you the dominions of the world if you'll just bow down and worship me. So Christ was tempted in many, many ways through Satan. In every way that we've ever been tempted, he lived in the flesh, so he had the same temptations we did. And it's hard to believe, isn't it? I mean, Christ went through the same things that we did, uh, even, you know, puberty, which is a very difficult time. I, I work with kids all the time, and it's like hormonal Armageddon. And we think Christ didn't go through that. I mean, he had to bring his mind, his heart, his body, his life under subjection of God. doesn't mean all these temptations that they don't come. Temptations come. That's going to happen. But when we give in to that temptation, that's the sin. Somebody um, told me years ago, it's like being on the beach. You can't help when a flock of seagulls fly over you. That's the temptation. But where we then turn and watch those seagulls and start chasing them down the beach and try to catch them, that's when we give in to temptation. You can't help when the fiery darts of temptation come at you. So um, we have to learn to put those things to death. You know, we, we conceive sin in our mind. It moves to our heart, and then we act it out. So we have to demolish and take captive every thought and make it obedient to God. That's what this passage of Scripture says in 2 Corinthians. You know, take captive all right, deny sinful thoughts, okay, uh, and, and vindictive thoughts, things that want to get back at somebody, lewd and carnal, lustful thoughts, dying to those things. And trust me, I'm a single man, and I get it. We have to die to our flesh every single day. So it's, it's, it's two things, deny ourselves, our mind and our thoughts. We see that there. And then also our flesh. We have to deny our flesh. How do I know that? Because Scripture tells us that. And then we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, First Peter. I'm going to turn there, chapter 4, and I'm going to read this to you, uh, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. We've got to learn to die ourselves in the flesh. Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, all right, and our, ourselves, we ourselves are, are you know, We've got to die. He suffered, uh, for he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You know, uh, Christ suffered in the flesh. He died to that. He did the right thing. And if we're willing to do the right thing, deny ourselves, guess what? That sin goes away. I don't know if it's, if you're like me, but and I, I, especially people maybe uh, struggle with addictions or anything like that. You know, you have to have a different mindset. You have to sometimes play, uh, change playmates playgrounds and play things and that's something you're going to have to do and uh and 
so it takes we you know take off the old coat put on the new and, and scripture goes on to say you know we need to rid ourselves of 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 malice and and anger and frustration and jealousy those are the things we have to put aside you know and that means it's an it's a conscious thing that we wake up every day and say okay i'm having these thoughts i'm having less of my flesh i'm struggling and there's days honestly that are rougher than others for me there's times that let's say that somebody's hurt you let's talk about that for a minute somebody's hurt you and they hurt you in the past and you've had bitterness and you feel like i'm going to forgive them and you try to move and then they come and hurt you again and that comes back that vindictive spirit wants to come back that you want to take it we have to say no this is not of god there's times in my life even recently where you know things are said a lot of things have been said you know and that's just that happens in ministry when you stand at the head of any ministry you know you're some of the greatest men and women of God, you'll be under the gun sometimes. And, you know, I think they think that, you know, because you're a spiritual leader, you're going to be perfect. Like that's going to happen. That's never going to happen. We're as carnal and, and as human as anybody else. But hopefully we're walking in our integrity and character and those things won't be demolished. That's why in my life, I put things around people around me to hold me accountable. I never try to be anywhere by myself, making sure that you know, that I'm not going to be put in a position where I could be accused of things. and But, you know, people still come against you. And, boy, you want to fight back and you want to defend yourself. And God says to me, and I'll never forget, he gave me a passage of Scripture in Psalm 26. one. It says, vindicate me, O Lord, and let me walk in my integrity. Let God do the fighting. You don't have to. If you're walking in integrity, you know, so many times in my life where I wanted to fight, and you've got to know me, I've got a mouth on me, man, I can take it down. But it's times I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I got to just keep my mouth shut and then keep my head low and pray. And my spirit grieves. I feel sometimes my heart's going to blow out of my chest, and God just says, Hey, do you trust me? And so we've got to put to death the, that vindictive spirit. We've got to put to death our, our, our words that come in our mind, uh, our thoughts that come in our mind, the lustful thoughts even that we come in our mind, that we've got to put those things to death. Uh, the more you say no to temptation, I found this in my life. And um, I was exposed to pornography when I was a little kid, a very, very young age. And, um, and I have learned in my life, when I started telling students that, when I started doing these purity rallies and stuff, I'd say, hey, you, you guys, you need to understand, this is something I struggled with. And it, it was, and I started sharing these long before people wanted to admit that, you know, pastors and ministers and, you know, those are things that people just don't want to talk about. And and so they think it's going to go away. I'm first to lead by my weakness and say, guys, you know, it's a very, it, it's a real struggle. You get exposed to that. As a matter of fact, I can still remember things that I saw at four and five years old. And that, that have held uh, to my mind and in my heart that I held on to and, um, and uh, that I was exposed to. And you can't, it's like you can't erase those. I can't erase those things in my mind. They're, you know, God, but I think on things, better things. I think on the Lord. And those things get farther and farther away. And by even sharing your weaknesses, you know, being able to say, hey, this is what I struggle with. And then you get those accountability people. I mean, there's a lot of shame at the beginning when you start talking about it. You're kind of ashamed that you even go there. But the best thing you can do is tell, hey, this is a very difficult day. You know, my mind's not where it needs to be. And I look at all these students that are so exposed to so much stuff. I mean, from, you know, pornography to what's on their Facebook, Instagram, my gosh, TikTok is just rated X most of the time. I don't know if there's anything good on that thing. But, um, I mean, I've seen some good stuff. But, I mean, even some of the most godly people, I look and think, why are you putting that, dancing these nasty dances? or what? I'm not trying to be a legalist by any means. But um, some of it's funny. But then you look at some of it thinking, 
And we think, well, it's popular now. We can fall into this. and Everybody's doing it. It's okay. It's not okay. Because I've learned if I give into any kind of temptation like that, and trust me, I do, that I've got to stay away from those things. I've got to put away or put to death those things, deny myself. You know, and the more that we say no to temptation, it loses its power over us. But me able to say to look at the kids, hey, look, I struggle with pornography and, and, and to put people that are held accountable. Um, computers, phones, things like that. Um, the things that we have here in the ministry, my ministry owns our computers, our phones and everything else. Everybody uses my phone. Everybody uses my computer. I don't know how to get on there and erase anything of anything. I'm so what uh, what do you call it? A computer illiterate. So um, so uh, you know, I, 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 I just want that accountability. You know, if you got a computer and you're afraid of, you know, I, I, I'm going to struggle with this. Put it in a public place for people to be able to see. You know, if you're, you know, that uh, you know, be let it be open and ask people to hold you accountable. Look, we all falter in that. And we can hide it if we want to, but those temptations can overcome us. So we have to kind of take practical things um, in our lives, put people around us that we can be vulnerable with, that we can talk to and say, hey, look, this is a struggle of mine. I need you to pray for me this week. I'm very weak in the flesh. Just like women, you know, I think men can be cycling at times. And when they're, I guess they're, it's, they're, they're more uh, apt to be in the flesh in the month than they are others, uh, even in, in their thought life and things like that. Uh, even throughout days, it's cycling. We, we all have hormonal things that take place in our bodies. And we can, we've got to bring our bodies under subjection. And you say, Billy, what are you saying? I want to say this very clearly to you. And I, I've never been ashamed of that. You know, I'm a virgin. I've never had sex. Have I wanted to? Absolutely, because the flesh cries that out sometimes. But the reality is, this body was bought with the price of Christ. It belongs to Him. And I have the same temptations as anybody else, but I've learned to put these things in my life as fail-saves and ask God, please help me to put these things to death that I can live for you. Um, and sometimes, you know, I fail. I, you're going to fail. But, the, but, but, but. I've learned if I can put those things and get farther away from those things. It's like I, I, I'm not tempted to, to drink and party and smoke dope and things like that. I, that's never been an issue for me. Or some of you, it is. Well, don't put yourself in company that does that. Don't go to places where they do that. Don't put yourself in situation. Put to death those places and put to death those even some of those relationships. Some of you need to not. And I'm not telling you don't love them with the love of Jesus, but you don't take Jesus up into places that he doesn't deserve to go. And you're taking your Christ to places and involving him in things that you're doing physically, mentally, emotionally in your mind. And I have to kind of keep my mind clean. If I keep my mind clean, then my body won't follow in the flesh. So deny yourself, he says. That's the first thing. Secondly, he says, and take up your cross. We see that. So deny yourself. Take up your cross. And he says daily. Now, that's important. I think sometimes uh, lots of us think, okay, I'm... um, you know, I, I I can take up the cross, and I did that when I gave my life to Jesus uh, when I was twelve years old, ten years old, seven, forty-five, whatever it happened to be. And you've given your life to Jesus, but we forget Christ knew what it would be like to follow Him, and He says, "Look, you're gonna have to take this cross every day." It's almost because He says His uh, His word too that His mercies are new every day. Thank God Almighty for that. Because I wake up in the mornings and I'm thinking, ah, I need a refreshing of my heart before you. That's why every day I pick up the Word, I open it, and I have to look at it as a mirror and start changing things in my life that are not in line with the Lord. Spend some time with Him. Take up your cross daily, not just at your salvation, but every day of your life. Look, Jesus set that example, didn't He? I want to read something to you real quick. And this comes from Luke again. 
Uh, we're going to look at Luke, and we're going to look at chapter 22, and I'm going to look at verse 42. And I'm really turning the pages in the Bible, I know. Uh, I'd love to have those pages in my hand. It just means a lot, especially when I'm going through it. But he says, uh, saying, Father, if it is your will, remember this is in the garden, take this cup away from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Remember when it was in the garden? And and um, he, he could have said, man, this would be much easier. He was tempted, I'm sure, at that moment, hey, I could just walk away from this. But he it says that he set the cross before him and endured all of that. And so he died to himself. He took up his cross in that moment again in his mind and said, not my will. Let this cut pass from me. Lord, I'd love for this not to have to happen to me. Is there any other way that this could happen? He says, well, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And uh, and that's what's important. When I was a little kid, we used to cut trees. My dad was a tree trimmer, and he used to work for Bartlett Tree Company that cut all the lines, you know, all the, all the trees from the power lines and things like that. That's where he got his job that he retired from, but he worked there for years in his young, younger years. And so he had equipment, he and my uncles, they all had their own tree cutting equipment. And so every, every few springs, we did every spring, but they'd trim back all of our trees around our house. And we had elm trees that lined our house property. And I remember him cutting these limbs out. And of course we had a pack, a pack of youngins. You got five kids and said, you're all going to work today. We went out in the yard and we were, you think these small little twigs from these trees or these, you know, maybe the size of, you know, eight inches around or, you know, 10 inches around wouldn't be that big of a plant to pull. And we were to be dragging. Those things were so heavy. And I thought, wow, this is huge. And, and he says, take up the cross. We used to cut trees. They were heavy. And I thought, man, but Jesus took up a full cross, not just these little twigs. And he, he bore our sin on that tree. And so he says, we take up the cross. It's not going to be easy. Taking up the cross is going to be heavy. It's going to be hard. Take up the cross of what? Suffering. Saying, you know, no thoughts in the flesh today. This is not going to be easy. Okay, some things about the cross, taking it up. Number one, it's not going to be easy. No one's going to tell you it's going to be easy because it's not. It wasn't easy for Christ to take upon himself our sin. Neither it's going to be a, for us to take up our own weight of our own cross and say, i got to die to myself today to do what God wants me to do. It's going to be heavy. You'll see, uh, you will see the world as God sees it. We'll get burdened. There's times where I take up the cross and I'm going to follow Jesus and the Lord allows me to see broken people, messed up people, addicted people, rejected children, people going through pain and sorrow and hurt in their lives. And we realize they're going through these very difficult, difficult times. And we begin to have, begin to see the world as Jesus sees it. We begin to grieve for those who don't know the Lord. And so it becomes very heavy as we talked about a man of sorrows that we see in Isaiah 53, where I shared on a past podcast, that Isaiah 53, he, he was a man of sorrows. We should be people of sorrows. And when we take up the cross, we're going to take up the heaviness of what Christ sees in the world. We should have a burden for the lost. And, 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 and some other things about the cross, taking up the cross, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be heavy. People won't understand. People won't understand. You know, when we go against the worldview, all of a sudden, we take up the cross, and all of a sudden, we can't look at the world, and we have all this easy believism or saying, and, and this is another thing. You, you say, you, you, they, let's say that somebody's doing something in the world, 
they're accepting all kinds of lifestyles, for example, and saying, okay, <laughs> it's okay for you to sleep with somebody, even if it's a heterosexual relationship, homosexual relationship, you know, whether you're going to be you're transgender, identity, all these things. The world says, it's okay. This is okay. This is okay. This is okay. This is okay. And then if you say, well, according to scripture, it's not okay. Then like, you hate, you hate. Just because I don't agree with somebody doesn't mean I hate them. And, and when I'm looking at Scripture and what it says that is right and wrong, it's not my opinion. This is God's opinion, and I'm just respecting God's opinion. And if God says it, it's not because God's mad at people. He knows it's for our own good to do it and bring our lives and our bodies under subjection of what God wants. And so people won't understand you when you take up the cross. When you take up the life of Christ and you decide you're going to follow Him, you're not going to be like the world. There's times where you have to take a stand and say, look, I love you, but I can't agree with what you're doing. I don't love you any less. People say, no, that's hate language, Billy. Really? Then my mom must have made it thought, and my dad must have thought I hated them all my life. That's not true. My mom smoked like a freight train, and I hated cigarette smoke. And she she became a believer and still was hard for her until the last three years of her life, you know, when she had had a heart, uh, uh, you know, had to have uh, uh, some issues with her heart, she realized, I don't need to be doing this. And so she was able to lay that down. And But, I mean, she had smoked all her life since she was a teenager. But we'd walk in her house, and I'd hate the smell of that. I'd realize, say, Mom, why? You know, I didn't love my mom any less by telling her, this is not good for you. This is going to kill you, Mom, please. This is affecting everybody, too. And it's just, you know, this. Is, but I never fussed at her. I just told her, you know, I didn't, I didn't want her to die of this. As a matter of fact, my mom died of lung cancer, and um, and she took ownership of that. And she knew because of her smoking all those years. At first, like, oh, I can smoke, and my lungs are really good. And then after the heart attack, three years later is when she found out she had lung cancer. And so, um, but I didn't love my mom any less because she smoked. I don't love, I don't love my friends any less or my, my, my children any less. My, my son, uh, my first son had a child out of wedlock. I didn't hate that kid and I didn't just, I didn't love my son any less because he got a girl pregnant. It's not got a thing to do with love or hate. It's a matter of saying that, you know what, but the Bible says you would be able to avoid a lot of heartache if we just did this God's way. And that's that's what it is. It just causes God's trying to save you from heartache, hurt, shame, and his judgment. And and so um, mine is to love people. You know, it doesn't mean that I have to agree with their sin, but I'm going to love them. So people want to understand, you know, that you have a, a God view and not a world view at that point when you take up the cross. Often no one's there either. It's another thing. Nobody's to help you. Uh, the road is narrow, you know, when you're when you're there. When you take up the cross to follow the Lord, very few people are walking that same road. They don't want to take up the cross because it's heavy. It is heavy. It's not easy. People won't be with you. And there's times where people will walk with you until you get a certain point, like, I can't follow that full direction with you. And so that's another thing that they decide not to do. So often nobody is there for you to help you. Uh, the road can often be, be narrow and lonely. I'll be honest with you. I know that to be true. And there's times where people don't walk with me on that road. And I'm saying, God, I'm still got to do the right thing. I've had to give up friends because they wanted to go a certain way or certain direction. Some of you may have to give up jobs. You may have to give up friends. You may have to walk away from things. And even the most personal relationship with people is that I can't go with you that distance. It's not that I don't love you, but I can't agree with what you're doing. I can't sit here and watch you destroy yourself. I can't come to the parties with you and watch you do crack cocaine or smoke dope or get drunk or or sleep around. I can't go there with you. I love you. 
and I'm not going anywhere. And be honest with you, I, I tell my kids this oftentimes. I said, you know, when you go out and you want to go in the world, do what you want to do. You can't do those things in my home. If you decide you want to do it, you go do that. That's you turn 18, you do you. But you know, that's not going to happen in my house. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And this place has to be a safe place. So when you come back here, those things of the world will be at bay. And I, and this is a safe place where those things are going to be taking place. And so taking up that cross daily is very difficult. So deny yourself, take up your cross daily. And the last thing it says in this passage of scripture, Luke 9, 23, it says, and follow him. That means blindly, recklessly, whenever, however, wherever, no matter the cost. Will you follow Jesus like that? Will you follow him? Listen what it says here, and I'll read the rest of this. And this again comes from Luke. And we're going to look at, at chapter 9. I want to read this to you. And I want to read uh, in its fullness one more time so you get the picture. Luke chapter 9, and starting with verse uh, 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And he goes on to say, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what would it profit a man if he were gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Remember that passage of Scripture? He says, or whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his fathers and his holy angels. But I tell you the truth, there are many standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. I look at that, you know, what will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Don't lose your soul. And, you know, by grabbing up the world and holding on to it, you grab up the cross of Christ and you follow him. Listen, we're not of this world. We've been purchased, we've been bought out of this world. Take up that cross. Don't be ashamed of it. You know, don't be ashamed that you bear the name of Jesus. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power unto salvation for all who believe. Take up his cross. Deny yourself. Take it up daily, every day, no matter the cost, and follow him. Blindly, again, recklessly, whatever he'd ask you to do, just follow him. He'll never lead you in the wrong direction. He'll lead you to peace, hope, joy, all those things. And I know we want to walk in that. Some of you aren't walking in that because you're trying to, to serve the world and love God. And I'm going to tell you something. It's much, much harder sometimes to take up the cross and follow the Lord. I understand that. That is follow the ways of the world. But I promise you, it's more profitable if we were to gain, you know, if we were to gain the Lord instead of the world. Don't try to be friends with the world and and grasp a hold of it and try to do both you're going to straddle yourself between two opinions and your god's going to make you make a choice so today my challenge is take up the cross let me pray with you father in the name of jesus teach us to take up the cross daily and follow you to take this passage of scripture lord when you said hey come be crucified with me and Lord, may we be willing to be a living example. People look at our lives that we're dying to ourselves. And what the world says is right, that we're not going to do it. We're going to do what the Word of God says to do, to take up our cross every day, every day, Lord, and follow you. And not be ashamed of that, Lord, but be boldly before people. Because may, may we, God, be in the example that you've asked us to be. Not in judgment. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Lord, may we, by the grace of God, daily to pick up that of your mercies each day to, to help us, to give us strength to even say no and to deny ourselves. We can't do that on our own. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit lives in us. And God, some of us are trying to take up the cross and put to death our sins. We cannot do that without Jesus' blood washing over that salvation experience. And once we have that, the Holy Spirit dwells in us and gives us power to live out those things in our lives. May we deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. 
May teach us to do that, Lord. I need that for my life every day. Teach me more to die to myself and live for you. May we all be challenged by that in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. And boys and girls, whoever's listening, we appreciate you so much to listen to Insight. And uh, we'll see you next week on Insight. God bless you. We got to be a witness. We got to let the world see Jesus. We got to tell them. We got to let his love shine through. We have to prove the life of Christ. And everything.